God this morning, and I am going to read um, a passage from, um, I'm going to read a passage, um, I think, if I could find my notes here, um, just bear with me, bear with me a second. The one day I decided, usually when I bring my iPad up here, I usually have a backup, and that's like a hard copy, and today I was like, oh no, my iPad's never died, I'm going to not have a backup, I didn't bring any backup, so, (laughs) and that's the day it actually is acting up, but uh, bear with me here. In fact, it's going to be on the, on, the, on the screen, and maybe I can, I can make up there. Um, uh, the title today is going to be about passion. You, you go back to the, to the scripture just a moment so they can find it. Okay. So, this week was a crazy week, wasn't it? It was, uh, you know, we prayed last week because we thought that week was crazy, and things going on in our world were really bad, and we, we recognize that. And then, just when you think they couldn't get any worse, they do. You know, and, 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 and it didn't take much to, to go on TV or go in through the internet to just feel, feel the, the climate and the temperature in the country. And I, and I think if you allow that to take place, you know that feeling isn't that good. Oh, come on. You know what I'm talking about. Because you see people from uh, uh, every end of the spectrum and what they think and what they feel and what all that's happening in the country right now, the emotions that they that bring, and you find that there is a divided nation. There is a divided spirit. And sometimes bad things happen and bring about a sense of unity. Remember 9-11? I was flying on 9-11 that week, you know. And somehow something tragic happened in the nation. But but the nation came together in such a way that it didn't matter if you're Democrat or Republican or Independent or Black or White. or It doesn't matter. People came together. But... These days, you sense something a little bit different. It's like every tragic event brings more of a divide uh, than, than before. Okay. I, I, am I the only one sensing this? Are we all at sea seeing that? And, 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 and I prayed a lot this week. And, 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 you know, and the Lord said, you know, there's, there's a response that we need to have as God's people. We do not have to be, react exactly the same way as the world is reacting. If we are completely in sync with what's going on and how the world is responding to such things, then there is a problem in the church. There should be a distinction from God's people. There should be a distinction in our Language, not just what we control and say, but also within our soul, within our heart, and how we respond or react to certain events. First of all, i got to tell you, nothing should come as a surprise to us. Because the scripture, if you were to go in, tells us about these things. It tells us that we should be like men of Issachar who understood the times that they are living in. Oh boy. I can feel it already in the temperature. You're like, where are you going with this? I'm going to talk about passion. Because I think this week, our nation, there's some passion that was ignited in our nation. Brother, our sister, and all that. And, we, and, and I want to take a story in the Bible and hopefully speak a little bit to the church. I, we're not responsible. Uh, God is not holding us accountable to how the world responds. But God is holding us responsible as his body, as the body of Christ, how we respond. Okay, so I want to take a story in the Bible that uh, that was filled with passion. And hopefully, I could draw some similarities, and hopefully, we could have a way to respond so that when crazy happens around us, we can still study and be focused on what our mission is on earth. Because I do believe that there is hope for America, and the hope is the church. We are it. 
Look at your neighbor and say, you are it. You're the hope. And you're the hope. The body of Christ. The body of Christ is the hope. Okay? I want to read a story, Jesus. And, and it's a long story. So if you get bored, if you don't like reading, that's too bad. And the, I, and, and, I, and I know I read a lot of, I read long passages, and it takes time, and sometimes I don't have to. But I do have a little, let me, let me just allow it into my mind a little bit. I do have a little belief that I have, that the Word of God is powerful. That the Word of God needs to be open. You see, Jesus many times, like when he talked about Isaiah, before he launched his ministry, he says, and he opened the book, that was written by the prophet Isaiah. And he kept reading. When the book was closed, he preached. Because the Bible says that the word of God is profitable for all things. The word of God is sharper than any double-edged sword. And we cannot take all the points and all the nuggets of truth that we're going to read today in, in one single service. But I do believe as we read the word and to allow the word of God to take shape, God speaks through his word because it says that the entrance of his word brings life. Something might speak to you that I don't even touch on, but because the word was open, the word itself brings life. Another belief I have is that um, the word of the Lord, we are not to talk to the word of God and tell it what to do. That's why I tend to go more in an expository kind of way. It's like I want to open the book and let the Word tell me what to say to you. As opposed to me saying, okay, I have these ideas that I wanted to talk to the church about. And I'm going to find the verses that accompany these ideas because you will find a verse that will accompany any idea, even an unbiblical idea. And so Paul says, addresses this. He says, I don't want my preaching to you to come out of the enticing wisdom of men, but I want to give you a preaching that comes out of the power of God so that your faith is not built on the wisdom of men, but instead is built on the, on, on the power of God. So, so, so I'm, I'm telling you this so when I read long passages so that you understand why I do that. Because the word will speak to us if we let it. And that's why I read long. So let us a, a story here. Okay, you got it? Then Jesus went. This is a story filled with passion. Hopefully we could draw one or two things before we go home. Then Jesus went with them to the olive grove called Gethsemane. And he said, sit here while I go over there to pray. He took Peter, Zebedee's two sons, James and John, and came anguished and distressed. He told them, my soul is so crushed with grief to the point of death. Now, I saw comments on social media until I turned it off. And I could see people commenting. And I could see people that actually would agree on a lot of different things. Most things in life. But you're like, wow, how can they go so far? But Jesus here is in anguish, he says. Stay here and keep watch with me, he tells his disciples. He went a little farther and bowed his face to the ground praying. Father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Say, your will be done, not mine. In the Lord's Prayer, we're reminded again, God, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth. Let your will be done in America as it is in heaven. Let your will be done in Lincoln as it is in heaven. Because sometimes we can get ourselves in the way. I know what I want. I know what my desired outcome is. But Jesus is saying, Lord, I know this is horrible. This is a cup of suffering. It makes me feel a certain way. And if it is possible, my Father, could you take this cup of suffering away from me? But nonetheless, not my will. I want your will to be done. Then he goes on. Then he returned to his disciples. And he found them asleep. He said to them, to Peter, could you watch with me even an hour? Keep watch, pray that you will not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. When the Bible talks about watching, and you could do a study word on that, it really talks about, it's really about intercession. It's really about standing the prayers. Like, and here Jesus is taking, he's taking his top three leaders. Of the top, he's taking his top three. Peter, James, and John kind of had a, something a little bit more special than even the top disciples. 
And he goes on to a prayer meeting, and i got to prove to you that this prayer meeting was not five seconds prayer. I know we are given a couple lines that you can read it in five seconds. But he's going back to pray. He comes back, and the disciples are sleeping. Seriously? Even an hour? Dude, can't you pray with me? Then Jesus goes on. Let's keep with the story. He says, Then Jesus left them the second time. My father, if the cup, if this cup cannot be taken away from me unless I drink it, your will be done. So he's getting to a point. He's like, God, if it is possible, there's no way I'd like to go through this, what I'm supposed to go through. I would not like it the single bit. Have you ever been in that place as a God? This thing that I have going on in my life, man, if there's a chance, you could just take me out of that thing. If you could just snatch me out of that situation, I would so much appreciate it. But then he says, nonetheless, even though that's my desire, if it is your will, then I'm better going through it. Psalm 23 says what? If even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For why? Because you're with me. He didn't say even when I run into the valley of the shadow of death, I will be snatched away. That would be the better part of the story. Don't let me go through it, God. And that's all right. You can pray that way. And Jesus did pray that way. But nonetheless, he says, your will, Father, is above even what I want. Okay, so let's go on. Hmm. When he returned again, he found them sleeping. For he could not, they could not keep their eyes open. So he went to pray the third time, saying the same things again. Then he came to the disciples and said, go ahead and sleep. Have your rest. But look, the time has come. The hour is nigh. The day of the Lord is here. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of the sinners. Up, let's keep going. Look, the betrayer is here. And even as Jesus said this, Judas, one of the twelve disciples, arrived with a crowd of men armed with swords and clubs that they had and clubs. They had been sent by the leading priests and the elders of the people. Let me take you back to the story. Judas was always going to uh, uh, betray the Lord. But Judas was driven by the love of money. You see, right before the, Jesus was betrayed, uh, there's a lady that came to the meeting and had this absolutely expensive perfume. And she got extremely extravagant with it, busted the perfume, washed Jesus' feet with perfume, wiped it with her hair. It was just extremely uh, uh, act of worship, if you would, and it's a whole other preaching on it. But Jesus and the, and the disciples were not on the same page. Because the disciples were saying, hey, that's a lot of money. I can't believe the church is using all this money to, to just wasting it here. With all the people, poor people in the community here, maybe that money should be, can be put to better use. And Jesus says, hey, leave her alone. She's preparing for something. And so Judas, because he was always driven mind, because he's the one that really stood out and talked about it. So I have a feeling, you know, have you ever been in a, in a meeting and the discussion goes on and you say, I got an idea. You throw the idea on the table and everybody shuts it down. The leader says, ah, oh, that's a crazy idea. And that's, I think, what happened to Judas. And even though... He wasn't always there. This kind of tipped. He's like, oh, man, how dare you embarrass me? I've always been around here. I know what, you know, sometimes we get those thoughts, you know. I'm, I'm deviating here a little bit. I'm just allowing my imagination to go. Reading, and sometimes you should. <laughs> Reading between the lines. Jesus, my friend, go ahead and do, he tells the guys. Oh, actually, the trader Judas come and he had given a prearranged signal uh, you will know which one to arrest when I greet him with a kiss. So Judas came straight to Jesus, greeting him, Rabbi, Islam, and gave him a kiss. So Jesus said, my friend, go ahead. Go and do what you came here for. Then the others grabbed Jesus, arrested him. But one of the men with Jesus pulled out a sword 
and struck the high priest's servant, slashing off his ear. But away, and then Jesus was put away the sword. Jesus told him, those who use the sword will die with the sword. Don't you realize that I could have asked my father for thousands, for thousands of angels to protect us, and he would have done it in an instant. It was a tense moment. It was tense for Jesus. He knew the time had come. He knew what was going to happen. He prepared the disciples through the, uh, the communion, when he instituted communion, the Lord's Supper. He was preparing, but when it came, it felt different than what they were expecting. He even asked the Lord to change his mind, if he would, and take the cup of suffering from him. It was a tense moment, I can imagine. All these things are happening and unfolding, unraveling really fast. And we have natural responses when we are confronted with things that are too big for us. And what's inside of us will come out when a lot of pressure is pressed on us. It's like a, you take an orange, kids love orange juice, and you squeeze it. If it's a bitter orange, that juice is going to be a bitter juice. It's, it's, you, you'll find out pretty soon what's in there. And there was a lot of pressure. And Peter, out of love, had also a lot of passion going on, took a sword, drew it, and guys, we're going to fight this to the end. You're not going to take us like that. We're going to stand up and Jesus says, hey, 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 chill. Relax. Don't you realize that I could have prayed to the Father and I could have asked the Lord to send angels and he would have done it instantly. And I was thinking through all the happenings of the shooting and the reactions to the shooting and the, um, um, the response and everybody has all these ideas, and I'm thinking about the body of Christ. How are we doing? How are we handling all these things? How, how, are we, how are we responding to this? And I think it's very similar to what we see in the Bible here. Jesus was absolutely convinced with the power of prayer. What it tells me this week, I'm, talking, I'm just talking my heart, my mind. What I see, that there, is, there are wounds out there. And so when things happen, it all of a sudden pull the hidden pain. And it all just bursts and things spiral out of control. Not because the events and the occurrence that happen. No, it's before that. And that's just a reaction to what's already deeply rooted. I grew up in Kenya where we have tribes. And every time there's a political season, you start seeing the tribes arise and the tension build. And in America, we don't have so much tribes, but we actually have two tribes. And I don't think their divide is racial, as they want to tell us. I don't, I don't believe it a single bit. I think the divide, well, for one, the sin is the problem. Sin is the problem. Anywhere you go in the world, because in my country, the way I grew up, things flared up. 2008 almost lost the country. 90% of the population are the same race. But tensions are built in such a way, but the church did not respond well. I remember reading, um, just you read different bishops and bishop, different ones, and they totally aligned with their tribal men. So if the leader was their tribe, they always, they are co- you know, they're, 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 they will make statements like that. And I believe the problem was the church response, not the people's response. Because if we stand our ground on the solid word and we come back and be sincere and honest before the Lord, the church is a healing component of the nation. And we cannot be, and I love, when I look at our church, I love that we have people of all walks of life sitting here and worshiping the Lord together. Young, old, black, yellow, whatever you call it. Rich, poor, it doesn't matter. In the eyes of the Lord, 
we are all the same. And that's the way it should be. And that's the way, and you don't have to impose that on people. But if the spirit that's in you is the same spirit that is in me, the same Jesus who saved me, and when I cry out for mercy, I expect him to forgive me, he's the same Jesus that loved and died for my neighbor. He says the same spirit dwells in us. And I believe that the church can rise. And Jesus comes to his disciples. Because these are the guys that he is establishing the church on. And he goes back to an old principle from the Old Testament that many of you might even know the verse by word for word. Second Chronicles 7.14. It says, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray. Seek my face, turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Very specific, very clear. That is what the recipe for healing a land. God doesn't look around and expect much to be done by the wicked. When he looks around, when the nation needs healing, he looks Where are my people? Where are my people? He says, if my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray, and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, I, God, will hear from heaven. I, God, will forgive their sins. I, God, will heal their land. He demonstrates this verse, this passage in this prayer. Because he is praying with extreme intensity, fervently, crying out to God. He comes back. And he finds his people, his three men, sleeping. When they should be praying, they are sleeping. He goes, couldn't you keep keep watch with me for an hour? He goes on and pray. Again, comes back. They couldn't keep their eyes open. The ones that should be completely alert. The ones that should be standing in the gap. The ones that should be crying out to the Lord and standing in the gap. Building bridges. Making men's where it's been broken. For he says that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news. And to heal the broken hearted. When they should have been doing that. They were sleeping. Couldn't you keep watch with me for an hour? He comes back. And you can see a frustration building up in Jesus. Says, Come on, don't you realize that you, have, you can change your world? Peter, driven with passion also, and it was actually in his case, it was out of love. He reacts in the way he knows how. I think if Peter had been praying like Jesus was praying, his reaction would have been different. Because this is all this unfolding and he grabs the sword and he cuts somebody's off ear. And Jesus says, Peter, chill. You're reacting the way you're reacting because you didn't put your money on prayer like you should. Don't you realize, Peter, that I could have asked my father to cause thousands of angels and he would have done it in an instant. Do we believe That as God's people, when we pray that something happens? Do we believe that we can intercede and stand in the gap between the living and the dead? That the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous, the fervent prayer of a righteous man has great impact, has great effect? Since I could have done it, God would have done it in an instant. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man, James 5 has availeth much, has great impact. The passionate prayer, fervent prayer, that is, uh, um, um, that is enthusiastic, if you would, 
not just a passive prayer. He says, God, we are praying for the future of our children. We do not accept the things of the enemy. We do not accept because we know the problem is not color. The problem is not discrimination. The problem is sin. Four things he says that we, for us practically we could do. Number one, he says that we've got to humble ourselves. We've got to humble ourselves. Why does that come first? I really do believe because we all have. We all have predispositions. We all have our inner biases. And if you're really truthful to yourself, you will realize that you do. So one thing will be said the same exact way to five different people. And they will interpret that same statement based on their predisposition. And unless you agree with yourself that you do have that, you will be quick to dismiss those that react differently or hold a different value or hold a different opinion. And really, at the end of the day, not that we need to shut our opinions down, but we need to react humbly, knowing that, hey, I might be very, very right. But there's a reason they, he feels the way. I, I might think that's absolutely irrational. I might think that. But you know you cannot challenge how someone feels. It, the reasons might be completely irrational, and you could be completely right about it. See, the Bible says this, that the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. For the law kills, but the Spirit brings life. The law is like, I know what is right and I'm standing with it. It came through Moses to give us the parameters between right and wrong. So we get a basic understanding and the structure of thinking and understanding boundaries. But it says Jesus came and brought grace and truth. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Now grace knows the truth. Jesus knows the truth. He understands the truth. In fact, he is the way, the truth, and the life. But he demonstrated through his ministry absolute grace in his dealings with people. Take, for example, the woman that was an adulterous woman. That the law said that this woman that was caught in the act of adultery should be stoned to death. That was the civil law. And all these guys that are surrounded and they are justified by law to stone her to death. And Jesus looks at them comes in and intercepts the happenings. And he says, I will let you do what you know to do, but I'd like the person without seeing to throw the first stone. And then he goes on, <laughs> just drawing his son. Who knows what painting he was drawing or what he was writing. Looks around, they're all gone. Looks at the woman, says, hey, where are your accusers? They're all gone. What did Jesus tell the woman? Go and sin no more. Grace, truth. He understood her problems. He understood where she's been. But he also encouraged her to live the truth. Don't live the same way as you always have lived because you will have the, the, the same results and you will find yourself in bad places that you shouldn't be. I'm going to love you. I'm going to save your dignity. I'm going to show you grace. I'm going to protect you from your accusers who are not better than you, you, but change your life, young lady. Change your life. And you will see good fruit. Because if you keep doing the same things over and over again, don't ever expect to see different results. We, we have a definition for that. I won't use the word right now. It's church. But... In our dealings with people, he says we should be humble. And humility allows us to be able to know the truth, but yet be humble enough to say, hey, I understand. I understand where they're coming from. Oh, I don't know where they're coming from, but it's not worth a fight. 
I don't have to say the last word. That's an iniquity I've had. If I wasn't a pastor, I probably would have been a lawyer. Because I debated everything in my family table. And I, I want them to last. You don't have to have the last word. You can still show grace. And we all have biases. And if you recognize that, it will allow you to walk humbly and treat your fellow man with a lot of grace, even if they see things completely differently. You're like, wow, do we live in the same world or what? They just read from another book. But you can still walk together. You can still love. Okay, hear me out. Not, what's the word we use now? What's the word about, it's kind of sort of like tolerating, like we could uh, respectfully um, uh, agree to disagree. There's a word I'm looking for, and it's completely disappeared out of my mind. There's acceptance, but it's a word that has to do with, okay, we could, we could, we could, we could walk together. And I know that we really hate each other, but we could work together. Tolerate, tolerance, there we go. It just completely left my mind. We can tolerate each other. Now, the world can tolerate each other, but the body of Christ can truly love even if there are differences. Grace and truth through Jesus Christ. And that's where we become a light because it's totally different when you come to a place and you feel like there's authenticity. I always ask people, what do, you, what do you like about this church when we do builders? And I love that. The people say, hey, I like the people are real. I love that I, even though I have a past, I don't feel like I have to act to be someone else. I recognize that and I feel the grace of God. But you know, you could do grace, 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 grace. No truth. And people feel like everything goes. No, everything does not go. Oh, truth, 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 no grace. And you would choke kids as they come in. They get born again, they die the next day. Because you're giving a baby a prime rib. (laughs) Their digestive system isn't built up. But as they grow, they get stronger and stronger. And now they can have that real meat and it won't choke him and die. Are you at least with me? Yeah. We need to be humble. So if my people will humble themselves. What's the second thing? Pray. <laughs> and I, we got to pray. I know we say this. A week from tomorrow, we start three days of prayer and fasting. We do this every quarter. Why? We want to make, that's a value that we have as a church. We know that we can talk about all these things. And the enemy is not, uh, is not at all intimidated by fancy, by cool. And I'm not against cool and fancy. But at the end of the day, prayer is what the weapon that the enemy is so afraid when the church is praying. Because when the church is praying, we can change our nation. When the church is praying, we can change our world. And the disciples were weak in prayer. They can keep up with Jesus in prayer. But they got stronger later. So if you feel like you're weak in prayer, there is hope. Because these three guys, you read their stories later in the book of Acts, you realize they grew. (laughs) But you grow in prayer by making yourself available to prayer. Hang around people that pray a lot. Because prayer is caught. You learn to pray by praying. These guys watch Jesus pray. They watch Jesus pray all the time. And even at this point, they couldn't pray like Jesus. But I tell you, they did pray like Jesus when it was all said and done. Peter is the guy that was walking through the streets and only his shadow passing by will get people healed. It's the guy that pulled up the sword. So anyway, there is hope because we can grow. First Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and be watchful in your prayers. Ephesians 6, 8. Praying always with prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to the end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Prayer, prayer, prayer. My house shall be called a house of prayer. We got to get back to prayer. I might have an opinion, but sometimes it's just okay. I'll spare you my opinion. 
Why don't we pray together? I know what I think. Well, everybody has something they're thinking about. How about we pray? And we really pray. It's getting quiet in here. Because I know that sometimes we can pray and not even believe our own prayers. We could pray and just do the Christian thing that we got to pray. Yeah, let's pray, Lord. But my heart is not changed. My heart doesn't even believe that the things that I pray, that my God hears me. And Jesus was reminding the disciples, he says, hey, listen, I could have prayed that way. He prayed a very different prayer. Not one seeking deliverance, but he says, God, I know this is horrible. I know I got to go through it, but I'm praying for your will. How many would like to see the will of God happen in America? And sometimes we might actually have to go through pain to see the will of God. So sometimes when you're praying against pain, you could be praying against the will of God. I'm not saying that we should pray for prayer, but sometimes pain can lead to good things. Ask a fitness person. They'll tell you. Pain can lead to some good results. The third thing he says, seek my face. Seek my face. Worship, worship, worship. Seeking God's face and seeking God's hand, in my mind, is two different things. Because seeking God's hand is seeking God's blessings, which is good. But seeking your face is seeking relationship. Say, God, I adore you. You mean all the world to me. I want you more than life. Nothing in this world could ever satisfy as a deer parted for the water brook, so my soul longs after you. Better is one day in your house than a thousand elsewhere. I want to seek your face. And the, the, the psalmist says, Lord, you asked to seek my face. And my heart responded and says, Lord, your face I will seek. Psalm 27, 8. Just having an interest in getting to know him. Not to know about him. Not to just have him do some good things for me, not to have um, this um, uh, system down. I know if I pray this way and I, if I do it a certain way, I will get my blessings and I will be doing so good. Not all that, which there's nothing wrong with that because God says he will bless you in every way. But saying just to, to, to know my God. Lord, I want to know you. I want to know you more, Lord. I want to hear you. I want to know your voice. I want you, Lord, to touch my life. I want you, Lord, to challenge me. I want, I want to see your face, Lord. I'm not asking for riches. I'm not asking for health. I'm not asking for all that. I just want to know you and to be known by you. You're my desire. When I contemplate about how much you love me, how much you bless me. How your mercy is for me. I'm overwhelmed, Lord. I want you. I want you. I want nothing but you. You would find that when you have that closeness with God. That actually all these things that we desire and even need, we will find. Because when we are in his presence, He's got everything. And he's saying, just quit looking at my hands. Look at me. I want fellowship. I want you to understand me. I want you to know me. He's opening himself up to us to know him. Seek my face. Seek my face. Seek my face. Get to know me. Jesus said in Luke 633, the seek the kingdom of God. And his righteousness. And all these things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. God knows exactly what you need. You think he doesn't know how much money is in your banking card? He knows what the balance will be tomorrow. He knows what your kids need. He knows your inner concerns and inner fears. He knows all those things, and he wants to touch your life. But I tell you, when you find him, all these things, Jesus says, you can change your focus. You put God first. You seek his kingdom. You seek his face, and all these things will be added to you. And he says, my people, 
who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face, I. The third one is repentance. Repentance. And all the ones that were in disciples class just got to say a good amen. Support me here. We talked about repentance today. Sometimes you don't even hear that being preached. People don't know how to repent. Something happens, we flare and we point fingers. While the law says, no, no, no. I allow this to happen so that we get on our knees. We can say, God, we are messed up. We need you, Lord. We need you. We can't do without you. Changing our pastor. I don't care what they're saying out there. Lord, we need you. We need you to come in our neighborhoods. We need you in our kids' lives. We need you in the schools. We need you in our lives. We need you in our marriages. Lord, we are lost. We are not going in the right direction. God, we need you. We've turned our backs on you, God. We repent. And you know, when we repent of our sins, God's not asking the non-believers to repent. We, he gave us the, the message to bring him to a message of repentance. But he's calling us to repent. And it's a different kind of way when we intercede, when we make intercession. Because, and it goes back to the humbly. You know, you could pray a very religious and a very haughty prayer, prideful prayer, like the guy that says, hey, God, you know, you know how good I've been. <laughs> it's in the Bible. <laughs> And this guy knew the word and everything. And he says, God, you've you seen how, how well I've done. I give all my money to church. Uh, I, I, I treat people well in my neighbor. I am a good man. And the other guy says, God, you know how bad I've been. I don't even worth it. I can't even talk to you right now because of how horrible I've been. Please have mercy on me. And you know, so when we keep watch, think about this. You can write this down or at least remember it. Watch means intercession. It's standing in the God for others. Standing in the God for the nation. When we praise that God, don't forgive them, God forgive us. You put yourself in the situation. Even when you want the problem to begin with. But you own it. And so you pray as if you messed up. And you're standing in the God for the nation and saying, God, we repent. We repent for we have turned our backs on you. We're killing babies. We're doing all those sorts of things. God, we repent, not them. We. And if you, and this is just a this helps me recognize this. We live in a 24-7 news, our news. So things come to us even before anything is ever formulated. Before all the facts are right, we, we already know. I was talking to someone yesterday. was telling me, man, a crime was happening. I knew about it before the news media even arrived, before the police arrived. It's all of us with social media. Then you have a media that's very commercialized, and ratings are very, very important, mind you. Then you have a political system that is very divisive. Divisive, whatever the word is. I just caught myself. You speak four languages and then I, you come back to me, we can talk. <laughs> and so we need to be aware of that, folks. And sometimes you just got to shut it down. And say, you know what? Turn off that computer, I got to go to pray. Or call a brother or sister. So don't even sometimes pray alone. Say, you know what? Why don't we pray for the nation together? When's the last time you called just a brother and sister? She says, no, let's pray together. It wasn't an organized prayer at church that says, hey, all oh, you come and pray. We just pray together. And God says, if my people do that, I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. I will heal their land. I will take a couple moments. Stand up with me. Because we are going to pray for the nation right now. Come on. Start praying right now, even before we join. And we're going to join hands. Just start praying. Uh, and, uh, uh, you, yeah, the worship team can come up. Stretch your hand. Get, get your, get your, get, get, let's join hands together. Because I believe that there is healing. And we're not going to let 
The world, the world, tell us what to do, how to react. Protect your heart, protect your mind, protect yourself, because there are ungodly people that have agendas. That's the truth. If you don't like it, I'm telling you, it's true. Because they, we are not going to let them tell us how to think and how to feel. We know the truth. And that truth is what's going to set people free. Jesus Christ is the hope. I want us to begin to pray. And I'm going to lead us in prayer here. But before I lead, I just want people to start praying right now. Just use your mouth. Raise your voices, God's people. Oh, come on. You can raise it up. There can be a prayer of desperation. The Lord hears you as you call. Oh, we worship you, Lord. We worship you, Lord. We call on you. We call on you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on, join. Pray with me. Pray with me. Lift your voices. Oh, let your heart cry out to God right now. Oh, Father, we bless you. We bless you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, we stand with our hands joined together today. We stand, oh God, as a sign of unity, oh God. As your body of, as the body of Christ, right here in Lincoln, Nebraska, oh God. As your people who are called by your name, Lord. Father, today we ask in the name of Jesus. Oh, that you, oh God. Oh, we ask, Lord, that you will forgive us. Any place, oh God, in our lives, oh God, where we have not been humble, oh God. Oh, where we've put ourselves above others, oh God. Oh, Father, we ask in the name of Jesus. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us, Lord. For every selfish agenda, oh God. Every pain and every sorrow and every unforgiveness, oh God. We ask for mercy. Oh God, that you will not visit us according to our sins, oh God. But you will have mercy upon us. You will not pay us by what we deserve, oh God. But you will have mercy upon us, oh God. We seek your face today. And we ask, Lord Jesus, that every wounded soul, all that's going on in the country, oh God, all the tensions uh, that's been going on uh, even this week, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that you will pour out your healing love uh, all across this country, from the north to the south, oh God, to the east and the west, oh God, from the Pacific uh, to the Atlantic, oh God. uh, We ask in the name of Jesus that you will pour out your healing love, oh God, uh, in the name of Jesus. And we pray for our brothers and our sisters in Christ uh, across denominations, oh God, different churches that believe in you, oh God. We pray that there will be unity in the body of Christ like no, no other time, oh God. In the name of Jesus, that the world will see that we are your disciples by how we love one another. We ask that there will be revival in the church, oh God. Revival in the house of the Lord. Revival in our nation, oh God. Oh, that there will be a spiritual awakening, oh God. In the name of Jesus. And we ask in the name of Jesus, we come again every lie of the enemy that brings division and disunity and discord. We refuse every lie of the enemy in the name of Jesus. Oh, we bind the spirit of hate and fear and unbelief in the name of Jesus. And we speak life, we speak love, we speak grace, we speak truth in Jesus' name. We call on you, Lord. We call on you, Lord. (laughs) Come and heal our land, oh God. Restore us back to Jesus. Restore us back that we can be one nation under God, indivisible, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Come on. Give him praise. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy, oh God. Lord of America. Lord of our city, oh God. Lord of our everything. We give you honor, God. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Amen. And amen. Come on, give the Lord some shout of praise. He's worthy. He's worthy. He's worthy. I tell you, this is an hour of opportunity for the church to shine. And we need to shine. We need to shine by our love. We need to shine by our unity. We need to shine by our prayers and standing in the gap. We need to shine and be the light in the world. And people are looking for an answer. And for a long time, we've been looking at Washington sometimes, and sometimes we put a lot of faith there. I'm just talking to you straight. Sometimes we put a lot of faith there when we should be putting our faith up there. 
that no matter who is, no matter who's president, God, Jesus reigns. Do you know that some of the most, the places where Christianity is growing a lot, where there are a lot of miracles that happen in the church, people are getting saved, are some of the most hostile places for Christianity. Asia, Africa, South America. You ask the people in Guatemala, the church is more on fire there than the church in America. Places that historically have been hostile to us believers, that's where God's moving. What am I trying to say is that Let's put our hope up. Let's stand back like he's saying. Because God will heal our land if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek his face, will turn, will repent. God will heal our land. We will see phenomenal stuff happening right here in our city. Things that you would have thought is unattainable. We know that nothing is impossible with God. Amen. We'll take a few moments and worship the Lord who is worthy to be praised. We're going to open the altars here for prayer. But before I do that, I want to pray for one part. I want to pray for, just bow your heads with me, just a moment, please. You might be, you don't even know Jesus as a personal Savior. Or you're not walking with God in your life. You have an opportunity today to start over. You could do one thing, and that one thing is really giving your heart to Jesus. Letting him come into your life. And be the Lord of your life. I want to give you an opportunity and pray for you today. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your personal Savior. Or maybe you've backslidden. You know all these things, but you're just not walking in them. And you're like, God, I need you. I need a fresh start with you. Why don't you raise your hand? I have my eyes open. I'm looking. Because I want to pray for you. Just by raising your hand, you'll tell me, hey, Pastor Saul, I I want you to pray for me. I want Jesus in my life. I want Jesus in my life. Give you a moment. Thank you, man. Thank you. You can put your hand down. I see you. Anybody else? I see you. Thank you. I want us to pray this prayer together. Just in fact, help and just pray out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I thank you that you died on the cross for my sin. Today I repent of my sin. And I ask you to come into my life. I surrender my heart to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And I commit to live for you from today to the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, you can clap. You can shout. It's good. Thank you, Lord God. You pray that simple prayer. Jesus is in your life. We are here to help you. Talk to one of these pastors, any of these guys. We want to help you so you can walk. You don't have to go back and do this again. Get a good foundation in your life, all right? Let's take a, the next few moments and honor the king by our, with our worship. We're also going to open the altars for prayer. If you need someone to pray with you, come and pray with them. And also, if you just want to get on your knees and pray, if that message touched you and you want to take it to the Lord on your own, the altars are open in the next few moments as we sing. Come on. Amen. Because of who you are, I give you glory. Because of who you are, I give you praise. Because of who you are, I will lift my voice and say, Lord, I worship you. 